Welcome to The Kindness Project, the podcast designed to share stories of kindness and share how kindness can make positive change in our world, one small act at a time. This time on The Kindness Project, learning Welsh and Welsh, wacky accents, and we have part one of our interview with Dina Gayo. Good evening, afternoon or morning, whenever you're listening to this. Welcome to The Kindness Project. I am joined by a girl who... Halfway through studying for her final GCSE <laughs> exams, has decided to learn Welsh. <laughs> it's Charlotte Dames. Oh, thanks. And I'm joined by a man who thinks he should live in a house of games. It's Chris Games. Love a bit of House of Games. I feel like I've mentioned it before. Yeah, but no, House of Games is my favourite. Tell us about Welsh, though, because I know that you're... What what does the phrase wheat coffee coffee mean? Does it mean anything? (laughs) It means light coffee. Oh, coffee coffee. So it's like uh, if I were to say dweet... Dwee in hoffy coffee. It says it means I like coffee. Uh, so what's coffee. the dwee in bit? I. Uh, well, the dwee in hoffy is the whole phrase of I like. All right, dwee in hoffy. Yeah, and then you just put what, uh, you, uh, what you like. I've been chucked out of places for dweeing all over the place, but <laughs> but now no, it seems like, that it's okay. It's dwee in hoffy coffee tea. I normally could. I can't remember how to say beer in Welsh. Selsig. Selsig. It means sausage. Peace. So if I said dwee. If I say Dwee Hoffman that means I like sausages. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> I know, right? So Teach cool. me some more Welsh. Right. So, um, so like, Boleda means good morning. Boleda. Good morning. Um, Nosta means good night. Nosta. And Pronwinda, I'm probably messing up the pronunciation, means good afternoon. Pronwinda. Pronwinda. So you can. Pick out the key, but it's da, which is good. Um, what does Harvey mean on its own? Like. Like. Uh, but I don't know if it works without the rest of the phrase, so I wouldn't want to teach it. I also know the word for dragon. Go on. Drag. But it's spelled D-R. Drag. Yeah, yeah, you've got to roll the D. It sounds a Brilliant. bit Game of Thrones. Brilliant. Drag. Um, because I'm learning on Duolingo, and you can actually learn languages like that aren't real, like crip, uh, Klingon. Klingon. And High Valerian. High Valerian, or even Welsh. Um, Welsh is a real language. It just happens to well, be you know one what? that's fading from existence. Years ago, I mean, I'm, I'm going back when you were an actual. My when when you were an actual child, um, instead of a young woman, when we yeah. took our first ever joint trip yes. to Wales, yes. um, because I got tickets to the Olympic football in 2012, yeah. and we took a trip to Cardiff, yeah. and one of our little things driving along was trying to translate all the world signs. We went into a cafe and we looked at the Welsh and we couldn't figure it out and it was just mind the step. <laughs> we spent like 10 minutes sitting yeah. there staring at it. I was wonder cool. what that really exotic sign means, mind the step. Oh, right, no worries. <laughs> um, and that brings us on to the... Uh, so why Welsh? No, why Welsh? Because um, I heard someone say the Welsh word for angel as a term of endearment in a show I watched. And I was like, I wonder what... And it was like, it sounded really nice. What's the Welsh word for angel? Um, it's spelled the same, but it's said like, Ainel. 
And it sounded really nice, did it? Yeah, because I'm not good at pronunciation. Ainel. But it's spelled A I. In a pronoun, it's spelled the same way, but in a pronunciation way, it's spelled A I N E L. Yeah, I mean, I like the Welsh accent. The Welsh accent is a lovely accent, um, and I very. Think it's such a shame that the language is just not yeah. taught to Welsh kids. That's like that's like Gaelic, isn't it? That's like a lot of. That's English. really unfortunate as well, and I'm thinking about learning that one after Welsh. Yeah. I'll get Welsh down. Can you not learn Mandarin, like something actually useful? Or after, after I've learned Welsh and Gaelic, I'm going to learn Klingon. <laughs> um, you watch. When the Welsh time travellers come from the past, I'm going to be the one who can talk to course them. Of course you are, mate. Of course But that brings me on to, my net, uh, to, to this week's question in the podcast, which is... Which is... What is your... Most favourite and least favourite accent. And I like tuneful accents. So I like Welsh because it's very, like, melodious. Yeah. And I like Liverpudlian because it's very melodious. Um, We can't let him do accents in this house because if they were on TV, they'd just offend someone. Because they, they, they would. They would just... I'm not great at at accents. I mean, I could do Birmingham, I think. And I can do, uh, I can do. You, mean, uh, you make the people of Birmingham sound li- miserable. Do I really? Yeah, you do. Um, you make them sound like that, that guy Big from Big and Small, and he was just, he just constantly talked like that. Really? Yeah. Was he from Birmingham? Um, what accent? He was you... from CBeebies. But... <laughs> <laughs> he was from the land of CBeebies, where Justin Fletcher and Mr. Tumble, the same bloke, are king. <laughs> Just about the land of sea babies. Would Mr. Tumble be? No, it'd that? be it would be Dodger Dog. Um Dodger Dog. I reckon um No, Dodger Dog is C B B C. Oh is it? Alright, okay. Yeah, I got them mixed up. Oh, fair I enough. used to watch both of them. Okay, fair enough. So um, we'd like to know what yes. your most favourite least favourite accent is. What's your most favourite least favourite accent? I like hearing Scottish. Scotland. Scotland. Yeah, go on. Um, and uh, ones I don't like hearing. German just always sounds a bit aggressive. German. Yeah, but the German people, I, I don't know that many not nice German people. I know, but their language just sounds aggressive. It, yes. I always feel like they're having a go at me, even <laughs> if they're not. Like... Yeah. Hello, how are you? Oh. All right, mate, calm down. <laughs> Did um, I do something wrong? Uh, I'm sorry. So, um, my friends, we'd like to hear about what your most favourite and least favourite accent are. And you can get in touch with us on the following channels. Oh, uh, do you want me to do it? Right. Uh, Twitter, at Ola Kindness. Um, uh, Facebook, The Kindness Project in the search bar. We pop right up. It's really magic. Like, yeah, because we're, we're a bit... Th- those Welsh time we? travellers don't know nothing know. about this popping up on the internet thingy. Sorry, if you... On, that, on them Welsh travellers coming back... <laughs> coming forwards. A, coming, coming forward. What? Coming forward from where? Why, where are these <laughs> Welsh time travellers coming from? <laughs> the past. Tortured. No. From a time when Welsh was spoken by all the Welsh people. And they suddenly found a time machine they didn't know about. <laughs> yeah. Why the Welsh? I don't know. I don't, I don't, the world has gone mad. <laughs> um, right. 
Just imagine these really confused Welshmen stepping out of this pod that they thought was just like... A toilet. A toilet. <laughs> They've gone into a public toilet and, and walked out into 2020. And no one knows Welsh. In a, in a, in a, into a school in the uh, East London slash Essex borders and suddenly they bump into this girl and she goes, Hoffy, coffee. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'd go, Charlotte, do I? Because that means I am Charlotte. Okay. Charlotte, do we I? Okay, fair enough. <laughs> and then they'd How would you know they're Welsh? I wouldn't. I'd just wait for them to speak and then I'd be like, oh, I know. I heard that, that man say Hoffy. Oh, yeah. But where are you when these Welsh time travellers <laughs> come from another place? I don't know. Uh, tell us about Facebook. Let's get too confusing. <laughs> Welsh time travellers. Um, uh, I said Facebook. Uh, Google us. Yeah, we're pretty famous apparently. <laughs> Bit. Or you can find us at www.thekindnessproject.co.uk. Can I just put one request out? And we um, actually, we're going to be pretty busy for the remainder of the year with interviews. But if you know somebody who is frankly a bit amazing and we would like to share their story of doing amazing stuff on the podcast, mm-hmm. particularly if they're helping other people. Uh, let us know because we'd love to share their story. Yes. Also, if you know any Welsh time travellers, because if you know I, any need, Welsh... <laughs> I need some contact with those Welsh time yeah. travellers. Because we need to <laughs> offer coffee with them or whatever that is. <laughs> like, um, okay. Should we? Uh, should we get them on the show? Yep. So on this episode of Good News uh, Corner, uh, Corner which we still haven't got a good trailer for, have we? Um, I want to talk about a smelly fruit because I read an article the other day on goodnewsnetwork.org. I follow uh, them on Instagram. And the title, smelly fruit or goodnewsnetwork.org? I think it's goodnewsnetwork.org. I follow an Instagram account called Uh, Good News Sub. um, And it says, world's smelliest fruit could charge your mobile phone in exceptional way. Imagine if we could use naturally grown products like plants and fruit to store the electricity that charges common used electronics such as mobile phones, tablets, laptops and even electric cards. Researchers from the University of Sydney have done just that by developing a method that uses durian and jackfruit waste to create any energy stores for rapid electricity charging. School of Chemical and Biomolecular Engineering academic associate professor vincent gomez explains how he and the research team managed to turn their tropical fruits into super capacitors their findings were published in this week's journal of energy science using durian and jackfruit purchased from a market we converted the biomass from the fruits into super capacitors that can be used to store electricity efficiently. Oh, that's clever, isn't now, it? That is clever. And the thing is as well, like these sort of innovations are going to lead us to a greener world, potentially. I mean, frankly, nobody wants to eat a jackfruit. It looks like the most awful fruit in the world. Oh, yeah. Um, well, there might be a monkey in a tree somewhere. It, it might be. Um, you know what? This could lead to stuff like, you know, like portable medica- medicine. Like, you know those machines that, um, the blood machines. And they, and when yeah. people are stuck on, like, islands, they have to use, like, yeah. electricity from, uh, like, trucks or yeah. the transport. But that could drain the transport and that would be disastrous because they'd be stranded with someone injured. Yeah. But they could use stuff like this instead of 
you know. You know what? I mean, what it shows me is the is the depths of human ingenuity because we seem to be capable of doing a lot, and we need. I think. I think in the next few decades, with climate change looming on their on the horizon, we need to be more focused on finding more innovative solutions to to problems. So, so it's interesting that we can use this. Um, use this to to, to um, help us. I, th- I think um, when when they talked about what the technology could be used for, um, the scientist said we have reached a point where we must urgently discover and produce ways to create and store energy using sustainably sourced materials that yep. do not contribute to global warming. Confronted with this and the world's rapidly defeating supplies of fossil fuels, naturally derived supercapacitors are leading the way for developing high efficiency energy storage devices. Mm. It's brilliant news, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that is uh, good, good news, news for next Yeah, good news corner for this week. So, this week we've got the first part of our uh, interview with Deanna Gayo. Deanna's um, from. China, funny yes. enough, um, and she has got a scheme that helps um, Chinese people not learn Welsh but learn English because um, she's a bit more practical and um, also combat loneliness. And it's a genius idea. Should we hear all about it? Go on then. Uh, hi, thanks for joining us uh, so much, Diana. Um, now, I can't pronounce your westernised name, clearly. Um, what's your... Because you've got a Chinese name that you've just told me is even more difficult to pronounce. What's that? It's Gao Chong. Definitely not trying that one. <laughs> um, Oh, thank you. I, pre- I, I, I appreciate you doing that. Um, it's uh, yeah, my uh, yeah, my pronunciations aren't great the best of times. So thanks for making my life easier. Um, uh, thank again. Thanks for coming on. Before we start talking about the things that you're on to talk about, tell me about your love of baking. Okay. Every morning, I do this morning ritual. I have um, I bake my own coffee with the Italian mocha cup. I don't know if you know that. Yeah. Italian mocha mocha pot, and I do I do one or two pieces of my banana banana cake, which I bake a few days before. Which I my recipe is one banana, few almonds, okay, walnuts, and uh, like between five to seven eggs. Okay. Milk. Uh, yeah, milk and uh, sesame seed and um, wheat. So I bake for 40 minutes for what 220. Amazing. And, um, 20 minutes. and how, how do you, how do you serve? Do you do you serve the cake with um, just on its own or with something else or butter or what do you what do you have with it? I have it with honey. Honey. A little bit of honey. Drizzled on. Oh, this is sounding amazing. What's the uh, what's the post like between China and 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 where I am? Because like, I'm not saying you should send me some, but if you would, that'd be really nice. <laughs> it might it might it might be a bit. Post, but uh, I'm not sure the postman are okay with 
Exactly. It might be a bit dry by the time it gets here as well. It might be a bit dry by the time it gets here. Um, so, apart from... Oh, oh, this is the other thing I was going to mention, because we, before we started talking on, the, on, the, on recording on the podcast, I mentioned a show called The Great British Bake Off, which we have in the UK. Uh, if you love baking, it's amazing, um, and uh, we'll talk a little bit about baking later on. But we're not here to talk about baking, we're here to talk about the amazing work you do. So tell me a little bit about you. Okay, uh, well, I am Dana, and uh, I'm going to try my Chinese name to you again, so maybe you'll pronounce it by the end of the show. Um, it's Gao Chong, and uh, I'm... I was gonna, I was gonna try that. Gao Chong, how's that? Uh, Not good. Really <laughs> Thank you very much. I will try out too. I thought, I thought it made the effort. Yeah. Um. So I was born and raised in Chengdu, China, which is southwest of China, a uh, up and rising, uh, up and rising tech city in China. Okay. And, um, um. So what else? I. Uh, I studied journalism, okay. and uh, I used to work in the radio for a few years, um, just coincidentally. And, um, was that in China or was that internationally? Sorry? Was that in China or was that internationally? Uh, internationally. Okay. I traveled over 50 countries, Okay. and uh, last year I actually spent 40, uh, four months traveling around China by... Um, uh, I took a road trip for four months all around China. Amazing. Last year. Um, and uh, I am a serial entrepreneur. I have uh, four companies, and uh, three, of the, three of them are still up running. Okay. What else? I'm a, I'm still a student, by the way. Okay. I am a global executive MBA student um, from LC London, NYU, New York, and HEC Paris. Okay. And uh, yeah, that's, that's it. That's it. Uh, and yeah, also, fun fact, fun fact, besides all that, I love mimicking accents. So I was in London a few months ago and I picked up some really bizarre London accent. So I would prob- probably drop, drop in some of Oh, please do. Please do. Right, so let, let me ask you a question. I, as you can probably tell, I'm from the east end of London originally. I live out in, I live out in Essex now, but I'm from the east end in London. Do you know the concept of Cockney rhyming slang? Have you ever heard that? Um, I've heard of this one where it's a secret kind of language where you do some apple pear or something. That's it. That's it. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And I was, uh, w- weirdly, we were talking about on the podcast the other day. Um, uh, I-, I tell you what, you share with me your London accent and I will share with you some really good <laughs> Cockney rhyming slang. And then... It's either going to go really well or going to be really, really bad. Probably really bad, but we're going to give it a go anyway. Let's try it. Um, okay. So, so we'll, we'll, we'll do that a bit later in the podcast. But um, tell me, could, because the reason that I thought you it'd be good, good to have you on is a project you run called the Air Tulip Pro- Project. Tell me a little bit of a, about that. Okay, so this is, a, this is really where my passion is right, right now. As you can see, I get really excited. I know, I can see you getting excited now. Um, it is a project as I have been developing in the past um, probably five, six years. 
it's, it's been in my mind for the past five, five six years. Okay. But I only started to develop it for real last year, okay. year and a half ago. And this project is um, a platform to connect retired, isolated senior citizens from the US, UK, and Australia with uh, adult English students from China, Japan, and uh, Korea. Okay. So my uh, the purpose of this platform is that I want to build a bridge to bridge these two groups of people, especially for retired senior citizens in the West, because um, traditionally and culturally, most of seniors live at home, um, especially the baby boomer and uh, all the aging problem happening all over the world. Yep. Lots of seniors are isolated, and especially in US, UK, Australia, seniors, uh, as I said, they live alone in their own house, in their own home, like in rural areas or um, even in city areas, but they get really lonely. Yep. And um, if they get lonely, it's really easy to cause depression depression or other problems like Alzheimer or any other physical problems. Um, the, so the simple way of doing this is to have them to have people to talk to on a daily basis or on a regular basis instead of just families or friends. Maybe family and friends are too busy or they're not there all the time. And, yeah. um, and because I actually do the volunteer uh, volunteer for uh, a senior care home in San Francisco while I was there. Okay. Um, so my job was really to go to this senior care center to help a friendship line department to, to call seniors, call those retired senior citizens to keep them company. To yeah. Talk to them. And we just talk about random stuff like what is your uh, what is the name of your cat? What's, what's the name of the street? And all that stuff. It's nothing serious or nothing like yeah. intellectual. That company, just that, just spending, just giving somebody time, right? Giving somebody the time and attention. You're right. I mean, in the UK particularly, there's a number of campaigns that are going on to um, counteract loneliness. And, and there's one by Age UK, which is the main um, charity. Um, yeah, it, so it's like a befriending service. Um, and interestingly, we interviewed somebody who was on that program, and they said that as a volunteer of, t of time, they got as much out of it as the actually older person did because they made a new friend. Do you know what I mean? They, they, the, the relationship built over time. Do you find that tends to happen with the volunteers that come on? Um, sorry, I, get, I didn't get a question. So, so... You're so in Age UK they have volunteers. We interviewed somebody who, did, who volunteered for Age UK on a previous podcast, and they said actually they benefited from it a lot as well because they had they made friends, they befriended this elderly person who they actually shared a lot in common with. Um, do you find that people um, make you know, build relationships and make new friends when they do it through your service? We do, and um, like I remember the first call, it was very, very a vivid memory for me because uh, uh, that was a year ago when I when I first built this program, and um, I wanted to test. I wanted to see. I mean, I have this fantasy that seniors wants to talk, students in China wants to talk. I'll, I'll tackle the students part and on why they want to get involved. Um, but I didn't know will they really be willing to just talk to a stranger, especially a stranger with such an age gap. 
because um, I mean, I think before this age gap, there's also some generation gap, culture yep. gap, thing. I don't know if the conversation will go really well. Yep. And um, um, so I, I just randomly selected one of the senior and one of the students, and I will say, okay, I want to run a test, and I want to listen, I want to listen to the conversation. Okay. Yeah, of course. And uh, uh, these two don't know each other. Mm. They don't. They don't know anything about each other. I just, I, I, I just said there's a senior in Los Angeles. Her name is. Um, I can't say her name. Her name yeah. is Lucy. And uh, there's a Chinese, a Chinese student. Her name is Lee. Uh, I want you guys to talk and uh, to test my theory to uh, prove that this is the platform that works building. So I connected them via Skype because that time our platform is still under construction. Okay. So they started talking like within one or two minutes. I don't. I lost track of time. I, I feel like they've been knowing each other for a long time. Yeah. Talking about Disney movies. They're talking about Disney characters. They're talking about cats and um, something. I was like 20 minutes went went by so fast, and by end of it. They just wanted to like because I, I because the program was um, um, designed to only talk for twenty minutes because I don't want both sides to lose um, concentration. Yeah. Yeah. Drag on. So I only want them to talk for twenty minutes, and I told them so. But end of it, they were like, "Oh God, the time goes." So <laughs> like I want to keep going. Yeah. And uh, then I was so happy because I was I was not I was yeah. not talking, but uh, I was listening the whole time and really feel like. Like the build up this bond about sharing the love for the Disney movies. I, I love Disney movies too, so that was like yeah. So so you were enjoying it as well. And what what do you do yeah. in terms of what do you do in terms of matching uh, pe- pe- people in America or, or the UK to students? Do you find a shared interest like, for example, Disney movies, and say? Uh, how do you do that? Is there a, a, a talk me through the process of matching? How does that work? Okay, that's a really good question. I'm glad you asked. Um, so for now, the project is still in their early stage, and we are still we don't have a large base of users. Okay. So what we do is we select some uh, we select 15 hobbies. When seniors register, they will select 15 hobby uh, a few ho- a few hobbies out of 15 hobbies. Yep. So they'll label and um, then um, so once they register the data will go to our system and okay. uh, then student side will see the label on the each senior's profile and then will they will be able to choose which one they want to talk that they want to talk to and then that's the stage two uh, 2.0 of this version of the uh, of the platform which is go more deeper on each of the yes hobby and we're also developing the curriculum on the student side to guide them to talk to seniors so mm. those will be baked into the future uh, development of the company. Yeah. so you're going to go into more depth about what they're looking for and how do you um, how do you recruit students and reach out to older people how do you, how do you build that and develop that that user base Students are really easy. Students are really easy to find nowadays. I was just about to tackle that because um, um, the, the reason I, I told you the reason of senior, which is my uh, initial uh, initial goal of helping seniors. 
something else. Yeah. But uh, also the reason I know this works is because um, in Asia, in Asia countries, especially in East Asia countries, in China, Japan, and, and South Korea, mm. people we do we do um, have English classes at school okay. since primary school since we were like six, seven. But we do not have the environment of talking, of okay. speaking with real foreigners. Yes. English. Yeah. It'd be so weird for us to like, hey, how's it going? We don't really have that conversation. Yeah. It's it's the informal stuff, isn't it? It's the dialect stuff, and yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's very academic. So I, I don't know if you've ever heard this joke that when students, when Chinese students goes to the UK, they're always just standing, saying those like phrases over and over yeah. and yeah. studying from the textbook. So like when they face the real person, they don't know how to interact. Yeah. And when you say like when 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 you ask me how are you, I'm like oh I'm fine, thank you. And you, but if you ask me other ways like how are you doing, I'm like yeah. Um, what? <laughs> <laughs> Some student, most of student face, and yeah. lots of students pay a fortune to hire private tutors, to hire private language body, to go to English corners and to go to to do to do things to improve the oral English. So to to, to 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 like add the non-academic English, right? The the colloquial yeah. English. Yeah. yeah okay. Yes. But, so I did lots of market research and even uh, lots of those platforms they go to, even they say, oh, we're tra- we trying to teach you um, speaking English, but they're still very academic. Yep. They're still like, oh, you need to follow this. When you say, I am going to, means like you need to say, he is going, like, re- re- uh, uh, you know what I mean? It's just yep. like very academic about how to structure the sentence, yep. how yep. to use this word, how to yeah. use that. But, la- but language yeah. in real life is different, isn't it? That language in real life is is just is just communicated differently. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. And teachers are trained to give you these academic responses. So uh, that's why students want to have a real environment to practice. So sure. that's why the students are very happy um, to to always look for new channels to study English. Yeah. And also the way we promote this is um, learning English for an impact. Yeah. So yep. what people like what we do, what uh, yes, there are millions of English learning learning study platforms out there. If you feel like you want that you want to do those like um, academic ones, go ahead. This this good. They will help you. Yeah. But this isn't that. This is talking to real people, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah. And um, yeah. And uh, and uh, that's great. But uh, if you want to learn English as well as learn real culture as well as helping. Um, seniors to beat the loneliness. This is the way to go. Mm. And I think um, now I used to think now the young people are pre- pretty wasted. I think for lots of older people, we do also always think younger people are not as good as us. That's just by default. But now uh, since I start running this program, I'm like all oh, these people are, real, they really have the heart. They really, yeah. they really get it. They really, yeah. They really, they really echo with our value that we're trying to promote. Yeah. You know, you know what's interesting because I run. A business as well and and certainly I know you do one of the values in our business is do well do good so there's no there's there's no um, like making a profit making money doesn't mean that you can't actually contribute positively to the world and actually those two things should go hand in hand shouldn't they um, and I I, 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 I think it's super important help me so that's that's students are relatively easy because they want that connection to just real language real 
real language. You know what? It's really, you know, it's really interesting. It's really interesting. I think sometimes English language speakers can be super arrogant. I mean, like, I, I, I think the, I think, I think English speakers assume that everybody should speak English, and in reality, we're just lazy, right? We're just, we just like, and I, I, I I've got to applaud you for speaking English because I, if you asked me about a Chinese colloquialism, I wouldn't have a clue. And you know about Cockney rhyming slang, you know, that's just amazing. So, I don't know everything, but uh, I, I think I, I, say my, I say English as a survival skill. So, if you can't use English for your, for your survival to, yeah. to talk to people, yeah, yeah. Language, yeah, true. To show up to, to do things. I think it's really a tool that I did. Uh, need to in a real scenario and real situation. Yeah, it was interesting. When I was in Japan last year, I, um, I, I, I relied quite a lot on Google Translate. Um, and I was, in a, I was in a taxi in Kyoto, driving around, and started to use Google Translate. And the guy just stopped me and said, actually, my English is probably better. So, so we had, like, again, and I felt so embarrassed. Like, I'm, uh, anyway, um, so how do you get... How, how do you get um, elderly people to engage? So for now, we are trying to, to, try to do two channels. Okay. One is we try to engage young people. So we try to engage the millennials, like the grandchildren of the seniors, yeah. or the children of the seniors, because um, I think they really do understand what's going on. Because they don't, I mean, I live, as a daughter, as a granddaughter, I know I do not have time to call my dad every day. Yep. I don't have time to call my grandparents every day. Yep. And I feel guilty about it. And I, I, I know I should have to do that more. So when, um, so it's, it's the common feel for lots of uh, young people. And um, whenever we deliver this kind of message to them, they really get it right away. Oh, okay. yeah, my grandparents can benefit from this. Oh yeah, my, my father um, can, can benefit from this. So, so this is one way we try to engage young people to do this. One is recruiting the seniors and other one is really bring awareness mm. to these group of people as well. Okay. And uh, second, yeah, and second way is we try we are trying to build ties and and partnerships with some organizations from US, UK and Australia. Yep. So I got a, um, a representative both in the UK, US and uh, Australia. So um, they were they were they were, they were helping us to go to the senior care centers or senior organizations or hospitals or anything, any organization that is involved into this kind of senior gotcha. representing our project to them and to get them on board. So um, I I hope both ways go well, and um, I think that I, I think um, uh, I do want to bring some more awareness on people, not just for the platform, for this for this for people to use the platform, but to also encourage them to like call the grandparents, call the call the parents more often, and um, really to acknowledge that parents are out there and the grandparents are out there, they they, they, they need you to talk. Yeah. So that's the first part of. Uh, Dina's Dina's interview. Um, uh, Shall we get on the show? Yours. Tis the end of another podcast. Tis tis surely the end. However, we have got loads and loads and loads of suggestions for um, for last week's question in the podcast, which which was. was. 
<laughs> what is the weird food combinations you actually like? Um, and we had a decent number. So we're going to um, tell, tell you a little bit about them. So. So. So last week's question in the podcast was weird food combinations. And for this one, we've invited a special guest judge of the weird food combinations on. And it's little Miss Sophie Dames. Charlotte keeps poking me. Holding your hands. She She was poking me before. (laughs) Uh, Do you want to say hello to our audience? Hello. Um, And you're going to help us work out um, what combinations are truly weird what are just a little bit weird and what are amazingly weird um but before we do that what's the weirdest food combination you've eaten don't really eat that many weird foods okay fair I enough i thought you were gonna say i don't eat that much food there i was gonna be like it's all the way you wolf down your dinner <laughs> <laughs> all right food judge um what's the weirdest food combination you've had um i don't know I don't know. I just eat, really. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't worry. I just put it in my mouth. Um, right. So, who's going to be right? We, what? How are we going to judge these weird food combinations? Are we going to give it a mark out of ten? Yes. Ten being. No. No. Ten being the most weird ever. Okay. One being. Quite normal, really. And zero being it's, it's just normal. It's just normal. Right. Here we go. First, we've got. Tuna mayonnaise and cheese. Oh, yes, please. <laughs> yes, please. I think tuna mayo and cheese is pretty good. It's pretty tame. Pretty good. It's pretty five. As much as a five. It's pretty tame. It's like a one or a two. I reckon it's a two. Yeah, it's pretty um, tame. Andrew Berwick chips dipped in milkshake. Mm. Oh yeah, ten. It's, no, that's no, 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 one, 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 one. That's no, very no. common, especially one. among pregnant women. Is it really? What's that? It's uh, uh, something about the sweet and the saltiness together. Oh, cool. I'm going to give it a six. Well, that that so- comment was made by Andrew Berwick, who, <laughs> as a man, I don't think he's pregnant. He might be. I don't know. But, Good for um, you. You've discovered yeah. a new form of science: yeah, male well, pregnancy. Well done, Andrew. If you're pregnant, let us know. Um, Jessica Clark said. Bacon razor crisps in chocolate spread. Ten. Ten. Yeah. No, ten. Ten. Um, Tamsin Kane said, I hear that cheese and ketchup sandwiches are quite strange. Yeah, they are. Don't put ketchup in a sandwich. Put it in a burger. Oh, no, no. The only ketchup sandwiches I have are heated corned beef toasties with ketchup. Um, Five, at least. Hazel Gray said... Cheese savouries and gummy bears. Now that is a weird what is a cheese savoury? I think it's like a, I don't know actually. I don't know what a cheese savoury like is. I'm googling cheese it. Cheese cracker. I'm yeah. googling it. Probably. Google a cheese savoury. The next one from Mark Newman's really weird. Double cream on frosties. No, you use milk, man. Oh. Uh, Not double cream. Double cream is what? way too thick. Cheese what? Savouries. John Sharman said a sausage tam sandwich with brown sauce and mayonnaise. Yeah, do it. He reckons John Sharman reckons. Mate, that's that's pretty tame. This this will change your life. Um, This this is what a cheese savoury is. Yes. Oh, it's like a what's it thing? No, it's it's um, like a cheese cracker. Oh, with a gummy bear. 
Yeah. With, with um, crackers, the little shaped crackers. Fair enough. Hadey Ball says Monster Munch on toast, and I also vaguely remember cheese and strawberry jam sandwiches. Oh god! What, the first one sounds pretty good. I've always been second a second crisp- one. Second one is like a nine. Ah. Andrew Berwick back again. Uh, I don't know if pregnant women uh, eat this as well, but banana sandwich on brown bread. Now that to me. That, isn't that's, weird a, at that, all. that's a that's a normal people comfort food. That's that a, a banana cool. sandwich on any bread, <laughs> maybe rye bread's that, the best. That, oh, no, banana sandwich on fruit bread. Oh, oh yes, please. That's the kind of thing you make your children when they're ill. Can I, can I do mm. yeah, like fire. Benjamin Fox said peanut butter and marmite. I thought it was strange till marmite brought out a new product. Um, I, oh, I peanut butter marmite. I don't I don't like marmite, so I'm not going to touch marmite. marmite. Uh, Melissa Lewis reckons grapes and spinach go well together. Good idea. It it looks weird, but makes sense. Everyone does something weird with their grapes. I like to freeze mine. No, what do you mean everybody? Don't (laughs) cast aspersions on how I eat grapes. Thank you very much. How do you eat your grapes? I just eat them. Yeah. I do do something normal, like tracking 400 foot in the air and trying to catch them with my mouth. I freeze mine. (laughs) Amanda Pike said tomato sauce and cucumber sandwiches. Tomato sauce. Sometimes I dip my cucumbers in ketchup, so they're pretty normal for me. Oh, okay, fair enough. You just love ketchup and everything. Carol Staunton said Philadelphia and banana and rivita. Pedro Floyd said marmite and peanut butter on toast. Mandy Medlock said tomato soup with crushed up cheese and onion crisps mixed in. Sam Robinson's gone really weird. Where's she gone? Chili con carne with salad cream. Oh, yeah. Johnny Piper says, cheese and chocolate spread, toasties. Apparently that's good. So what is the winner out of all of them? Um, Some of them were... Out of, like, the weirdest? Yeah. Um, What do you reckon? Some of them were really tame. Like milkshakes and shaken chips, that is an infamous pregnancy thing. Yeah. If you've seen any good teen flicks, they've got milk and milkshake and chips. I, I, don't... I think it's... No, no, no. Go on, what were you going to say? I'm thinking Melissa Lewis with grapes and spinach. Cheese um, and strawberry jam sandwiches. Oh, yeah, maybe. Anyway, we had loads of amazing comments. Thank you for your comments. That's it for this week. Yep. Thank you, my two lovely daughters, for their input. You're um, welcome. Um, and we'll see you next week. Say bye. Bye-bye.